A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The sour cream frosting went very runny, so he was almost set up to fail. And candied anything, they always like it to be crispy, don't they, in the tent. And they were definitely sort of flaccid, for want of a better word. Hello to all of our listeners and welcome back to our special series of The Bakedown Podcast. You're listening to Emily, one of the hosts for the Bake with a Legend virtual classes, and I'm joined each week by former Bake Off contestants and the real stars of this podcast, Howard Middleton and Jane Beadle, to reflect on this new celebrity series. And I'm pleased to announce that we're also joined by another special guest today, former Bake Off semi-finalist and Christmas Bake Off winner, Rosie Brandreth-Pointer. Thanks for joining us, Rosie. Oh, welcome, Rosie. So lovely to meet you. Oh, thank you so much for letting me join. Great. Oh, any time. Just we'll just boot off Howard. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm oh, I don't mean it, Howard. No, I'm, you've said it now. <laughs> lovely to have you here, Rosie. Just a reminder that as we go through this celebrity series of the Great British Bake Off, we want to hear from you. So please send your weird and wonderful questions in and we'll do our best to read them out and have them answered by Jane, Howard and other special guests each week. Just email thebakedown at bakewithalegend.com and tune in next week to see if your question gets answered. Before we discuss episode three, if you're yet to join one of our virtual Bake With A Legend classes, then please do check out our website, www.bakewithalegend.com, where you can choose from a fantastic selection of classes suitable for all abilities. Upcoming classes with availability include Karen's Easter Simnel Cake this Saturday, Howard's Hot Cross Buns on the 3rd of April, and Dan's Cream Egg Macarons on the 4th of April. Loads of opportunities to learn new skills, have fun, interact with your favourite Bake Off star and all from the comfort of your own kitchen. For more information, visit bakewithalegend.com and don't forget that you can use the code PODCAST for 10% off a class booking. This week, we were met with another delightful array of celebrities, including rap artist Dizzy Rascal, 
Agony Aunt Philippa Perry, DJ Nick Grimshaw, and League of Gentlemen actor Reese Shearsmith. And we were told early on that neither Dizzy or Nick had ever baked before, so it was bound to be an eventful episode. So, you three, I'm going to come to each of you to see what you thought about this week's lineup. And Rosie, as our special guest this week, I'm going to come to you first. What did you think of our four celebrities? Um, I thought it was a really interesting mix, having sort of two clearly quite keen bakers and two obviously that hadn't before. Um, and also, obviously, sort of Nick Grimshaw and Dizzy Rascal having come across each other many times, you know, as radio host and a musician, you know, it was all quite interesting to see if they were going to be competitive, you know, as a result of that. So I thought it was quite quite an interesting group. So it was a one that was looking forward to. Lovely. And Jane, what did you think? Uh, well, to be honest, I didn't really know much about any of them. I knew a bit about Nick Grimshaw simply because he's been around quite a long time. Rishia Smith, I knew by sight. I don't watch the League of Gentlemen. Um, Philippa Perry, I didn't know at all. And uh, Dizzy Rascal, I've heard of, but not my really my style of music. Or should we say Dizzy Rascal MBE because he oh, was awarded yes. the MBE last year. Um, so I didn't really know what to expect of any of them, and it's. Oh, well, I'm totally in love with Dizzy Rascal now, completely. What a gentleman. Oh, I loved him. Um, but more about that probably later. Um, <laughs> no, I thought it was really enjoyable. I liked it uh, a lot. And Howard, what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting mix because I think you'd got some very clear competitive streaks, I think, in there. And uh, I loved, uh, as Jane said, I loved the fact that Dizzy thought that by the end of it, he'd be presenting the show, even <laughs> though he'd never baked before. I love that confidence. So for this week's signature bake, Paul and Prue asked the celebrities to make 12 highly decorated vegetable cake slices in one hour and 45 minutes. Nick made a chocolate and beetroot cake with a sour cream frosting and candied beetroot decoration. Dizzy decided to make a carrot cake with cream cheese frosting and a fondant raster carrot called Toots and introduced it as Dizzy's Carrot Cake Vegetable Cake Slice. It's so cakey, they had to put cake twice, <laughs> which I just loved and so had to, had to put that in there. <laughs> uh, Reese said that he loves Halloween and so opted for a spiced pumpkin sponge with a cream cheese icing topped with stem ginger alongside fondant decoration, including leaves and mini pumpkins. And Philippa chose avocado for her vegetable cake and went for a layered tray bake with avocado cream filling, raspberry jam and a lemon drizzle on the top. Howard, I'm going to come to you first. What vegetable would you have chosen to incorporate into your sponge? Oh, nice. So I, uh, there was one week where we were supposed to be doing a vegetable cake in the Bake Off tent and I unfortunately didn't make it to that week. I remember at the time my recipe was for a chocolate cauliflower cake. So it was a cake which had got um, chocolate and, and little bits of cauliflower in. And uh, to be perfectly honest, I've never actually made it. So I came up with the recipe, but I don't know whether it would work or not. So I suppose it would be an opportunity for me to test that out. Apparently cauliflower can be quite nutty. So I thought it would give it a kind of chocolate walnutty taste and not be too cauliflower-ish. I'll have to see. 
Jane, which of these celebrity cakes appealed to you the most? What did you think of Reese's Little Pumpkins? <laughs> Certainly wouldn't be a cauliflower and chocolate cake. I have to say. <laughs> I would just, yeah, send me a slice, Howard. Maybe you can roast it first to develop the nuttiness. Um, I think it's carrot cake. I do love a carrot cake, I, I, I must admit. But I'm intrigued by Philippa's avocado one. And, and I'm guessing if you're careful, oh, I don't know. They were all interesting. The, one, the thing that amazed me was the beetroot one, because in series six, Stu sadly went out in week one based on his beetroot cake. And the judges at that time turned their nose up at his beetroot cake. And yet this time it was delicious, apparently. But no, I would have definitely gone for diseased carrot cake. One of my favourites. And Rosie, what would you have made if you were making a vegetable cake in this challenge? Well, I mean, we when we were on the programme, obviously they bring out a recipe book each year. And my recipe in the book was actually for a chocolate beetroot cake. That's one, it's actually my mum's recipe that I totally stole. But it's one that we've had sort of in the family for years and years. And it does actually really work. Um, though while he was peeling beetroot, I have no idea when you can buy it, you know, in the packets, ready to grate. Um, that was quite amusing, actually, when he said he was shaving his beetroot. But yeah, either that one or, you know, sort of a carrot and lime type cake. That was always, always, you know, classic. But that is, that is the best. That is, you know, it's classic for a reason, isn't it? It's yummy. Mm. Very nice. I have to say that I think all the bakers did really well in this first challenge, particularly Nick and Dizzy, who confessed to never baking before. Nick's looked particularly effective with his imperfectly caramelised, colourful beetroot slices. Dizzy's rasta carrot looked amazing and had a great cartoon character about it. Philippa had lovely layers and delicate decoration, and Reese's looked very autumnal with his gorgeous leaves and pumpkins. So what was everyone's thoughts on this first challenge then and on the bakes in general? Did any of you have a particular favourite? Did any of the recipes stand out for any of you? I thought Philippa did a really good job in terms of presentation. I thought it looked impeccably uh, neat. Um, I couldn't quite work out what the um, what the controversy was over the avocado. Is it not classed as a vegetable or something? Prue said, oh, it's it can be a vegetable for this purpose, as if some some sort of leeway had been allowed on on an avocado. Isn't it fruit, like a tomato's fruit oh. te technique? Genetically, I think, maybe. Definitely. I think it's technically a berry, even. But it's definitely a fruit, not a vegetable. And so I think in the main series, they've sort of penalised people for doing that before, but they just sort of let her have that. But in some countries, avocado is called butterfruit. So, yeah, it is definitely oh. a fruit. Although it was quite interesting to see her use it and for it to actually work after in, do you remember when they made their, in Japanese week, their cakes and poor Mark used avocado and they said his cake was so dry. So it was quite interesting to see them say that the avocado made that one really moist this week, mm. whereas it was blamed for a dry cake before. So I thought that was quite interesting. Paul is not always known for being consistent in his comments. <laughs> <laughs> no. Jane, did you have a favourite from those bakes at all? Um, well, I just thought they all looked really interesting. I'm a, I'm a bit keen now to try a beetroot and chocolate cake, especially after Rosie mentioned it as well. Uh, um, no, I didn't have a particular favourite. I thought they all did really, really well. I loved Rasta Carrot. But then I'm totally in love with Dizzy Rascal now. 
No, I, not not a particular favourite. I thought they were all pretty close. And I felt sorry for Nick Grimshaw a bit, to be honest, because I suspect it wasn't his recipe. And a sour cream frosting went very runny and it, it can. Uh, so he was almost set up to fail. And I know that candied anything, they always like it to be crispy, don't they, um, in, in the tent. So be careful what you do. And they were definitely sort of flaccid for want of a better word so I, I felt sorry for him with his recipe but I thought they all did a great job I, I really did I was very impressed as celebrities go considering we had two non-bakers they did amazingly well Paul said that Dizzy's bake looked perfect and Prue said it was a bit gooey but delicious. They said Philippa's was attractive, that the raspberry flavours worked well and that the avocado was a fabulous choice for the sponge and that the lemon drizzle added to it nicely. Nick's caramelisation hadn't quite worked, as we've said, and his sizing wasn't perfect, but Prue said that the cake was delicious and Paul agreed and said that it looked hideous but tasted excellent with that intense chocolate hit. And Reese's was described as being very neat, baked to perfection, said Paul, with perfect spices, lovely flavours, and it earned him a Hollywood handshake. Howard, did you see that coming? He said he couldn't fault it. So I think if, if Paul can't find fault with something, then I think the handshake isn't far behind, is it? Rosie, which of the signature bakes was your favourite? Which bake would you have had a slice of? Ooh, I think Reese's did probably look the most sort of appetising, the one you wanted to eat. And those little pumpkins, they were so cute. I was quite impressed with, I mean, obviously sort of the skill with him and with Dizzy of, you know, sort of sculpting their fondant. And they, they were actually really, really good. Um, although when Dizzy started chopping that whole block, he had the block of, you know, fondant without kneading or anything, the whole block just cutting a carrot out of it. You sort of go, oh, you know, you would never eat that in a million years. But, you know, it did, it did look, look really effective. But yeah, I think Reese's would be the one that I would pick to, to eat because the pumpkin, I'm quite, quite intrigued by that. I've done sort of pumpkin pies and pumpkin breads and sort of a pumpkin spice cake but never one quite quite like that so yeah I think that's the one that I definitely go for. Yeah I was quite impressed with his little pumpkins and I think do we think they had some help do we think Dizzy had some help with his rasta carrots? I thought he he, he seemed to be shaping it quite well I, don't, mm. I didn't think that he'd been given he might have had a little bit of a template or something like that to work with but I think uh I think he looked as if he was uh, quite arty. I think as a group, the, all of them had quite a, a, a good level of artistic ability. So, yeah. Hey, everyone. Rosie here. So excited for all the Celeb Bake Off specials and the inevitable carnage. If you'd like to join me for a rather less chaotic baking experience, there are currently spaces on a few of my classes. We've got Cornish pasties on the 21st of March, a real classic. The Jiggle Cheesecake class on the 4th of April, which is a super fun one. Or Speedy Croissants with Pan au Chocolat and Marmalade on the 11th of April. I hope to see you there. On to the technical challenge then, which was set by Paul, who said, you need patience to get this recipe right. The bakers were asked to make four queen of puddings, which was distinct layers of breadcrumb custard, raspberry jam, and topped with soft pillowy meringue. 
Jane, have you ever made this before? No, actually, I haven't. I, I do know um, of Queen of Puddings, but I've never made it. And I don't know why I've never made it, because in this house, we all love custody things and we all love meringues. So it is something I will make. I normally make it with um, cake crumbs. It's a great way of using up bits of dry old sort of um, Madeira cake or something like that. So I'm, I've never seen it done with what did they use brioche, didn't they, this time? Um, but I thought it looked great and yummy. I, I do love custard and I yeah, I loved all the elements. Um a great challenge actually, because most of them were far too young to have ever heard of it. It was in the good old Mrs. Beaton's cookery book. I remember it always being there. So Delia's probably got one in, in one of her books. But um no, I think I will give it a go. The thing I like about Bake Off, certainly this last uh, ordinary series and, and this series, is there. They're bringing back to life some of the old classics and they're classics for a good reason, because they're tasty um, and delicious. So, yeah, I think I might give it a go. Howard, what did you make of this challenge? Yeah, I've I've not made it myself. Um, my mum used to make Queen of Puddings, but I think when she made it, she would have made one uh, whole one rather than individual ones. And it loses some of its kind of wow factor as soon as you've taken that first scoop out of it. So I think the idea of doing it in individual ramekins was rather nice. I, think, I thought it looked really pretty. Thanks, Howard. And Rosie, what about you? What did you think of the challenge? I mean, I, I'd never heard of it, um, I will admit. Um, I mean, I thought it was quite a good one because obviously it looked sort of fairly simple but getting them to make a custard and sort of to assess when it's actually cooked a baked custard, I thought was quite tricky. So I thought it was quite a good one. But my favourite thing was Matt announcing that he is the queen of puddings. That was my favourite <laughs> bit. <laughs> oh dear. So they had to make brioche breadcrumbs, which they then put into the bottom of their ramekins before making their custard. And I think some of them were really proud to make custard for the first time. They used different techniques for separating their egg whites. And I know Dan Beasley Harling was laughed at for using an egg separator when he was in the tent. Howard, going to come to you for this one. Do you have a preferred way of separating eggs when you're baking? I do. So I tend to... Uh, do it in my hand so I will allow I know people get really I actually met one person who couldn't abide the even sight of egg white so the fact that you're allowing the egg white to drip between your fingers I think is abhorrent to some people but I just prefer to do it that way I, I find it a little bit risky doing it shell to shell because occasionally you can prick the the yolk accidentally so I'm, I'm a bit more in control uh, doing it in my hand and the other thing I would say is to do it at room temperature because if you do a, an egg that is fresh from the fridge um, it's harder to separate. That's a good tip thank you. What I noticed in this challenge was that Reese and Dizzy both showed their working by using their intuition throughout the baking with Reese thinking about the hot water bath for his ramekins and Dizzy fretting about how long to bake for before remembering that Paul had said to be patient in this challenge. Rosie, I'm going to ask you about this one. If you were given a challenge where you had no clue how long to bake for in the tent, did you have any particular method that you would use? We did. And it isn't something that we sort of clocked on to until sort of the later episodes, realising that 
I mean, maybe it's a bit different in the celeb one, but for our challenges, generally they gave you just enough time. So they expect you to sort of mix everything quickly. So we generally worked our bake times out to use up pretty much the rest of the time with just about time to get whatever it was out the tins and on the plates. And once we sort of work that one out, we all tended to do a little bit better. So yeah, that was our sort of sneaky way of doing it. But as I said, it's probably different for the celebs. They probably are given a bit longer. So the ones like Reese and Philippa who do bake regularly actually probably would have been a bit quicker. So probably wouldn't have wanted to use all the time. But if Paul says, as his hint, be patient, that is generally you know, a clue that you need to give it a bit longer. And during this challenge, Reese said that he felt particularly stressed. Jane, I know we like to refer to your Bake with a Legend classes as Zen <laughs> sometimes, Zen baking <laughs> with Jane. But what is the stress like in the tent? How do you all cope with the stress? I think everybody copes with it differently, to be honest. And for, for us, we go through a fairly long audition process and I think they do test out to see how well we cope under stressful conditions. I've got some tales to tell about one one of my live auditions where I managed to completely turn off my very fancy hob and everybody had to come and reset it because it all went horribly wrong. Um, but that is another story. I don't know. I didn't particularly find it stressful in the tent, to be honest. I just got in there, got my head down and got on with it. And... I think that's the same for, for most of us. I would say it's very much every baker that's ever been in the tent does the same. You know, you see us starting again. You see us finding way round problems when we ha- can't start again. Maybe we're just sort of chosen because we are pretty good at it and not baking necessarily, but at coping with the stress. So I wouldn't say I found it particularly stressful. I, a lot of them said kept saying it was a bit stressful. I think Nick Grimshaw said it was stressful at one point, and Reese said it was very stressful at one point. I'm not quite sure why it was so stressful. Stressful. Well, Dizzy Rascal just sort of got on with it, really. Um, and I would have thought if anybody had found it stressful, he would. You know, you kind of got the feeling you'd never picked up a, a spatula before, really. So I, I don't know why Reese found it particularly stressful because he's a very good baker. I just wanted to say one thing. Um, we do get criticised as bakers on the Bake Off as encouraging people to eat unhealthily with all the sugar and things. I think somebody before, a couple of years ago suggested there should be a health warning before the show because of all the number of sugar. And I think she was a journalist who was being particularly serious about it. But what I found was really interesting this time that Nick Grimshaw was, I can't remember what it was, that he said, oh, I, I learnt this from watching... Bake Off, what a teacher the telly is. And I think for us on Bake Off, yes, we do make a lot of sweet stuff. And I would always say everything in moderation. But if it teaches people how to cook and inspires people to cook, especially youngsters um, who probably are pretty much inspired by Bake Off, if we're teaching these young people to cook and they get inspired by it, they can make their own decisions how much sugar they're going to eat. But I think it's a great thing we're doing because there's so much fast food, isn't there? And just popping into the corner shop and picking up a chocolate bar. Um, and I come across a lot of kids that love baking now and are keen to learn. And I thought Nick Grimshaw just got it bang on. What a teacher the telly is. And I think that Bake Off is a very good teacher um, and, and an inspiration to a lot of young cooks. And, and I think that was wonderful, even if he did get sloppy custard. 
definitely, Jane. I love that. I think that I think you're absolutely right. And I'm reminded of um, a Bake with a Legend class we did with Rosie a few weeks ago when we did the vegan afternoon tea. And there was a young baker there who did absolutely amazingly. And she was saying she aspired to, to be on Bake Off. And I thought, oh, she should probably apply for Junior Bake Off. Um, but no, it's wonderful to see, you know, to, for, as you say, for, for Bake Off to inspire people to pick up a spatula and uh, and get baking, get creative in the kitchen. So, yeah, thank you, Jane. So the judges said that Reese had sloppy kisses, but Prue said it tasted delicious. Dizzy's looked a mess, but the custard had set and the meringue was nice. Paul and Prue just said that the ramekins hadn't quite been filled enough. Nick's looked very good from the outside with some strong layers, but unfortunately his custard hadn't set and Prue described it as soup-like. But I did enjoy his description of his meringue kisses as looking like Tim Burton did them. (laughs) And Philippa's custard was described as beautiful with a decent attempt at meringue kisses. How did you think they all did in this challenge? Howard, what did you think? Um, I didn't get it right, the order this week. Uh, I must admit, I was sort of swayed a little bit by Nick's uh, peaks. Um, So I didn't think at first that he was going to be in fourth place, but obviously it was that sloppy custard that did it. Um, But yes, I I thought thought it was a shame that Reese just, I don't know what he did, whether he just misread the instructions and decided to pipe a kind of flat layer of, of meringue on top. But, uh, but yeah, they did, they did a good job, really. I mean, to be perfectly honest, there were two main elements to it. Making the custard, knowing how long to bake it for, and the meringue. Um, because they were provided with brioche and they were provided with jam. Um, whereas I think if that had been in the main series, you'd probably had to make at least the jam. What did you think, Rosie? I was really impressed, actually. Because they all... OK, fine, they weren't all set, but they all looks good and they all looked edible especially with the two that that didn't bake so like with dizzy he was continually asking everybody what a stiff peak was i mean whether he actually was stuck with his meringue or he thought it was amusing i don't know but he obviously didn't have a clue what he was doing but he did it and obviously you know if we're not convinced he you know was writing his own recipes for the other challenges and then obviously with that one you are sort of on your own so i thought that was absolutely brilliant um that he and nick managed it and i did feel really sorry for nick because when they put them on the table you know as howard says his looked great so he probably thought you know he had that he was going to be you know one of the top places and then to come last must be pretty gutting after that when you think you know yours look great so that was a shame but no i thought overall they they were great actually Jane, how did you think they did? Oh, much the same as Rosie and, and Howard. Um, it was a shame because uh, Nick's did look fantastic. Uh, but I, I thought it's interesting that Philippa, I'm sure somewhere in the first challenge, she said that she didn't bake much. She clearly does because she was explaining what a Ban Marie did. And it was a very, very tricky challenge for non-bakers to get a custard set. I remember was it Ian Cummings series? Somebody, one, one series, they all had sloppy custard. So they were proper bakers. So this lot did a really good job, I thought, fantastically. Just a shame. Why on earth didn't Reese pipe those kisses? I have no idea what. why not. But um, great job all round, actually. 
then I'm going to go off and make a queen of puddings, I think. And Howard's right. We would have had to have made the sponge, actually. We wouldn't have been given anything. We'd have had to make sponge and jam. We'd have had to make it from start, probably in an hour because that's what they used to do to us. <laughs> so as we said, Nick came in fourth place, followed by Dizzy in third, with Reese coming second and Philippa coming out on top in the technical. And then we moved on to our showstopper. Hi, Bakers. Hi, it's Karen here. I have got an Easter Bake class on the 27th of March at 5pm. It's a traditional Simnel cake like it's centuries old and it's full of fruit and marzipan and it's got apricot jam in the middle of it and it's delicious and it's just so historic. So yeah, book yourself a place while you can. showstopper challenge the celebrities were given three and a half hours to make a spectacular self-portrait made of biscuits which depicted them at work paul said that it gave them an opportunity to show buckets of personality and they definitely delivered they could use any flavors they wanted but they needed to have layers of biscuit with a glue holding them together howard i'm going to come to you first what did you think of this challenge and what flavors would you have chosen it was a nice challenge actually it's, it wasn't uh, terribly far removed from kind of things that that have happened in the main series so I think in the past I think in uh, in Dan and Karen's year I think they had to do a, a biscuit self-portrait if I'm not not mistaken so yes it was a, an interesting challenge and I thought they they all approached it quite creatively really this was the one where I felt that they had really um, had some input into the brief. So even Dizzy coming up with the idea of doing his uh, album cover, um, I thought was um, was really good. What would I have done? I probably would have. I mean, gingerbread is the obvious one to go for because it's quite sturdy. But uh, I would have liked to have got something probably a little bit fruity in there as well. So lemon would be nice. And Jane, what about you? What did you make of the challenge? Oh, I thought it was great. It's perfect for celebrities, wasn't it, to um, be very creative. And they were certainly all creative. I, I was dizzy, kept going on about chocolate biscuits. But I loved Reese's. I have to say, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. But all of them did, did a great job. Even Nick Grimshaw, I think, I can't remember, Paul was a bit sort of damning with faint praise of Nick Grimshaw's but I thought she did a great job I thought it you know the whole Glastonbury thing and what's the name of that stage that looks like a pyramid stage the pyramid stage thank you I was going to say triangle stage and I knew it wasn't right Um, because I'm a bit of an old fogey I just thought the whole thing looks fantastic it could have actually been a picture on his wall they they were brilliant and Philippa well she's you can tell she's arty can't you and she has got an artist in the family we we haven't mentioned her artist husband, but clearly between them, they're very, it's a very creative household. So yeah, great challenge for them. Absolutely great challenge. Gave them a good, good opportunity to be really creative. And I've got to say that Dizzy's writing on there was spectacular. Um, spectacular, even if it was hard to eat his biscuits. It, it just, I'm really impressed with all of them. Um, and I love the way they all took it very seriously. They were clearly being competitive. It wasn't just a joke and an opportunity to show off. It was a really, really good 
effort, I thought. Rosie, how about you? What flavours would you have chosen? I think, like Howard, I'd have gone for a, a sort of a fruity citrus type biscuit, just because those are sort of the nicest ones to eat. And having been in the tent, I would now, if I didn't actually have to build out of it, avoid gingerbread. Um, because that's something that I totally, totally disagree with Paul on and have argued with him, even on the Christmas one again about it. He thinks gingerbread needs to be absolutely rock solid. And I don't. I think having a little bit of a chew to a gingerbread is nicer. I don't want to eat a solid, great, you know, horrible brick of it that you're going to break your teeth on. I like a chewy gingerbread. And I believe that that is actually a thing and it is an acceptable thing. And we argued again at Christmas with my, my little gingerbread houses on that. So I would avoid doing that again. But yeah, I, I, that's one thing that I thought was a bit mean when he was saying some of their gingerbreads were slightly chewy, especially because they were flat, so they could get away with that. But yeah, no, I think I would have gone, as Howard said, sort of something sort of fruity, maybe a sort of a lime or lemon type biscuit. Ooh, lemon or lime sounds very nice. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying about gingerbread. I think it's it depends on personal preference, doesn't it? But hmm. uh, I guess in the tents, Hollywood is king, so... <laughs> What he says goes. Well, he certainly thinks he is. There we go. <laughs> so, as we said, Dizzy decided to recreate his first album cover and renamed it Bake in the Corner, which I thought was uh, was quite creative, with chocolate biscuit and a chocolate ganache centre. Philippa chose to carefully cut out her head in profile and made emojis to go alongside her very creative scene of her answering emails alongside her cat, Kevin, and made a lemon biscuit using lemon oil, a gingerbread biscuit for her second layer and a dark chocolate ganache to join them together. Jane, what did you think about Philippa's decision to use lemon oil to flavour her biscuits? Well, I was going to ask the other two about that because I tend to try and steer clear of any uh, flavourings other than vanilla and almond um, because I think very often they taste quite artificial. There's a Sicilian one actually called Fiori di Siciliano or something, which is a slightly orangey one that's quite nice if you use it in moderation. Um, so I'm quite careful and I've never used lemon oil Um and I was actually meaning to Google it and order some to give it a go because it is quite nice to get that extra hit of lemon, especially if it's on a slow bake. I tend to whack in loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of lemon zest and very often will uh, try and tease out some more flavour by infusing it in maybe a little bit of hot milk or cream before I add it. Obviously not to biscuits because that make them soggy, but um, to cakes and things. So, guys, have you tried lemon oil? Is it? artificial or is it actually lemon oil does it give a real hit or does it taste bathroomy i've i've not tried it but uh, i must admit i do a recipe sometimes where i will boil a lemon and and use the whole of the lemon apart from the um apart from the pips in it and you can literally see that that process releases the oil from the lemon. So you've got a lot of the natural oil coming out of the lemon that way. Um, so I suppose I'm, I, I have used lemon oil in that sense, but I've not actually used the kind of shop-bought bottle of lemon oil. Rosie, what about you? I've, I've not used it either. Um, like Jane, I just put a lot of lemon zest in things. And at least that way, even if you can't really overdo it, it can be really lemony it'll just taste more lemony. You're not going to get that sort of artificial, sort of slightly burny 
sort of flavor with it. Although if I am going to add something else, sort of homemade limoncello, which is basically like a lemon extract, um, but you've made it yourself. So it's only, you know, your lemon, your vodka and sugar in it. So again, it's sort of more natural. Like that's what I will add if I want to give it a little bit of an extra kick. But no, intrigued by the, the lemon oil. Oh, I'm just okay. Googling it now, actually, as we speak. Um, oh, lemon oil food grade. So it's used a lot in um, aromatherapy. And the first thing that comes up is, you know, rub it on yourself or well, rather than stick it, what stick it in your biscuits. <laughs> I'm not telling you how it's... <laughs> no, in aromatherapy and things, Howard, behave yourself. You always lower the tone. <laughs> oh, got, yeah, you can get it. There's food grade lemon oil. I suppose that's the one you don't want to put your aromatherapy oil in there. Now I'm going to give it a go because it might be interesting to see. Nick also went for a ginger biscuit for his Glastonbury scene, including the pyramid stage, microphone, musical notes, and my personal favourite, orange biscuit cows. And Reese recreated a theatre where he performed the lead role in Shakespeare's Hamlet, complete with a mobile phone taking the place of poor Yorick, and featured gingerbread and lemon shortbread alongside chocolate audience members. So I'm going to come to each of you for this. Jane, I'm going to come to you first. What did you make of their creations? Did you have a favourite? Were there any key aspects about this challenge that you particularly liked? There are bits that I liked in all of them, actually. Um, As I said earlier, Dizzy's writing on his cake, I thought was amazing. Um, Really arty. I thought it was fantastic. Nick Grimshaw's, I just love the scene. If if that was as a print, I would probably put it on my wall because I I just thought it was very creative and I loved it. Philippa's, yes, I I just thought worked brilliantly and I loved the whole style of it. But Reese's was incredible. The the amount of work he put in with the the stage and the curtains and then the drawing of him holding up his phone here I am I'm actually gesticulating here it's a pity this is this is podcast and you can't see because I'm I'm definitely doing a Shakespearean alas poor Yorick here I just thought he put so much work into it and it looked very professional and had I been able to do that and I'm not known for my biscuit decoration um in fact I think I had a bit of a disaster in the tent um I thought Reese's was standout winner for me absolutely stand out it it was so good thanks Jane and Rosie what did you think um very similar to Jane actually I thought Rita's actual painting and painting on icing isn't easy especially in a short time where the icing is still going to be a little soft I thought the actual painting skills were brilliant I thought it was really really good although I have literally just realized when we were talking about the orange cow that Nick has I think I've got Nick Grimshaw's cow cutter um, because after, <laughs> I think I have stolen Nick Grimshaw's cow. Um, after the Christmas episode, some of my cutters have gone missing because obviously there's so so much stuff that goes through the washing up. Um, but I'd lost my gingerbread cutters. So one of the ladies who is in charge of all of that found a random cow and gave me a cow instead because I'd lost my cutters and because I was a vet thought I would like a cow so <laughs> I've got this random cow cutter and I've now realized that yeah I probably have stolen Nick Grimshaw cow <laughs> so I'm not really happy about this. Howard what did you think? I th- I, yeah I, I, I thought um, 
I thought they all did a brilliant job, actually. I think the only thing that, that put me off slightly with Reese's was the amount of food colouring that had gone into that. And I think I, I, I really liked Philippa's kind of slightly more restrained approach to just the, the kind of couple of colours that she'd got on hers. Um, I think there comes a point at which you think, which one would I actually like to eat um, rather than which one do I admire most artistically? And uh, I probably would have had a, um, a tendency to go for Philippa's on that, that count. So the judges' comments for the showstopper were as follows. Dizzy was commended for his incredible neat piping that we've already talked about. And his biscuits and ganache had a nice flavour, but were a little bit thick and tough to eat. But Prue added that he did an amazing job for a novice, which I think we can all agree with. Nix was described by Paul as being very stark and bold and the orange biscuit had a great short and crumbly consistency with the ginger biscuit having a nice flavour but being a little bit chewy as we've already discussed but both judges were impressed with his abstract design and said that he did a decent job. Philippus looked incredible and was described as being very artistic with lovely gingerbread emojis Although Paul said that the ginger biscuit had a nice flavour, but that the texture was too soft. And Prue said that she triumphed with her short lemon biscuit, which was delicious and had lots of flavour. And Reese's was also described as really artistic and clever. And the judges liked how the different layers gave it that theatrical look. Paul said that the lemon biscuit was very crisp and good for dunking and that the gingerbread was very good. And the big comment from Paul was that Reese's showstopper rivaled some of the big biscuit scenes from the usual contestants we see in the Bake Off tents. I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the stripped media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have come from the worlds of film, television, music, food, comedy, and podcasting. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. We had four great showstoppers this week with good flavours and colours and lots of artistic talent, but only one could come out on top. Reese and his gorgeous theatre scene. He got a handshake in the signature, came second in the technical and wowed with his Hamlet recreation. So let's come to each of you to hear your thoughts. Jane, let's hear your thoughts first of all on Reese as our winner. I thought Reese was a very, very worthy winner. He, you know, he got a handshake in the first one, so he clearly won the first one, although it was close. And he, it, I mean, Prue said she liked her, his showstopper a lot. And I think Paul said it was very, very clever. He was just picked at the post with the technical. Yeah, he was hands down winner for me. I thought he was really good and um, very, very deserved. And Howard, what about you? Yeah, I agree with Jane. I, I think it was it showed that he had some baking experience. So I think it said right from the beginning that he he did do a bit of baking, and uh, I think he was quite modest in saying that it was a bit of baking because I think he uh, he showed that he was very very skillful. And Rosie, what did you think of our winner? I thought definitely, definitely deserved, especially after the showstopper. But it was one of those great ones where you go into the showstopper where, you know, there were a few that it could have been. So it did come down to that last bake. 
and his was just a level above the others, so definitely deserved. Let's move on to Howard's Hump. Hello everyone, this is Ian here. We've got some fantastic classes coming up in the next few weeks and I was hoping you might be able to join me at one of them. To start with, on Saturday the 3rd of April, I'm doing my carrot cake. Paul Hollywood said my carrot cake in the final was one of the finest you'd ever tasted. Then on the 10th of April, we've got some superbly zingy citrus slices. Followed on the 17th of April by a wonderfully wobbly Charlotte Royale. Hope to see you soon. Bye. The part of the show, I think, is often the favourite with our listeners. What's got your hump this week? Oh, do you know, I, I, I do worry that I keep finding fault with Paul all the time. But uh, it's just a habit, I suppose. So it was, it was the uh, signature bake. And I think what happens is that the judges are asked for their opinions on what, what the signature bake is going to be. And it looked at this point as if Paul needed to go to the loo or something like that. So he just rushed out something. It doesn't have to make any sense whatsoever. And he said a vegetable tray bake is very simple. Just throw it all in a bowl, mix it together, bake it off. And I'm thinking, no, that's an all-in-one mix. It's not a vegetable tray bake. They are two different things. So when I do a vegetable cake, I actually separate my eggs. And I whisk the egg white separately. And that's exactly what Philippa did in hers. Um, and so I think sometimes you, he just talks nonsense, really. And this was one of those occasions. But anyway, I'm, I hope he did relieve himself if he need, did need to go to the loo <laughs> or get a cup of tea or something like that and then come back with a, a more sensible frame of mind. Oh, <laughs> I love I love your humps, Howard. I really love them. <laughs> Right, so before we wrap up this week, are there any further comments from the three of you that you'd like to make about this week's episode? Oh, I'm just going to say how much I love Dizzy Rascal. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought, I don't know what I expected at all because I, it's not my genre of music and I'm not really very aware. But he was just a complete gentleman and lovely and took it seriously and didn't take the mickey out of it and didn't try to be too clever. Um, I am now totally in love with Dizzy Rascal. I thought he was just brilliant. And I'll tell you who he reminded me of. He reminded me of Selassie, who we all see the very funny side of Selassie. Um, but Selassie, and I could wax very lyrical about him as well, because he is a complete gentleman. He used to carry our stuff up and down escalators when we were going there and things like that. And Dizzy reminded me in his complete gentlemanliness if that's the right word, um, of Selassie. So I totally loved him. I loved everybody else too, but Dizzy was my my new love, I'm afraid. So thank you for joining us again this week. You can join Howard, Jane, special guests and myself next week to discuss how our penultimate lot of celebrities got on in the tent. Before we go, I'd just like to mention our free bake-along on Saturday the 3rd of April, where you can make delicious chocolate and banana galettes with mini Easter egg ice cream with our very own Jane. Jane, do you want to tell us a little bit more about this class and what people can expect from it? Well, they can expect mini eggs. If anybody follows my Instagram, they will know that I accidentally ordered three kilos of them uh, <laughs> last week. So yes, they're getting, getting put into everything. Um, yes, I'm... 
Stand up for cancer, I'm sure we've all we all know, is a, a very worthwhile cause, and there are very few of us that haven't been touched by cancer. So I am delighted to be doing this free webinar. Um, so we're making the pastry for the chocolate and banana galettes. I have to say, be careful because this is a very, very dangerous recipe. Um, if you like banana and you like chocolate, you cannot leave these galettes alone. They're so Moorish. Um, we're topping it off with a bit of roasted hazelnut um, or whatever nuts you have, really. But pecans would be lovely too. And we're making a very quick and easy no-churn ice cream very few of us have ice cream makers and this is absolutely delicious. So yes, join. It's free, as Emily said, but we have a Bake with a Legend opened up a Just Giving link. So if you would like to donate to Stand Up to Cancer, then that would be fantastic too. But if you don't want to or you can't afford to, then please join us anyway, because it should be fun. And as I say, just um, be careful because these galettes are very dangerous. Perfect. Thanks so much, Jane. Yes. So you'll need to register for the event via the Bake with a Legend website. And as Jane mentions, we'll include the link for our Just Giving page alongside this week's podcast. And we would encourage participants to consider donating to this incredibly worthy cause that has brought us all so much enjoyment over the past three weeks. And thank you so much in advance for your donation to this wonderful cause. Last but not least, just as a reminder that as an additional thank you to you, our podcast listener, we would like to offer you a special 10% discount off any of our online classes. Just use the promo code PODCAST at the checkout and we'll hope to see you at a Bake with a Legend class very soon. Join us again next week for the Bake Down podcast. just heard a stripped media production. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.